Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and we're back with Parenting Rebellion Part 2. And if you haven't noticed, we've been off. Oh, that's what we're on? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have How to Evangelize. No, that's going to be the next one and final one on parenting, except for the questions. So parenting, we're going to deal with the teenage years. and if you haven't noticed, our we've been a little spotty with dropping episodes. It's, both of us are moving. We're we're just kind of getting yanked all over the place. Plus, our churches are growing, um, and just a lot of things going on right now. So, um, if you forget, we're first of all pastors, not podcasters. Yeah, you guys don't pay a squat. So, <laughs> I mean, we haven't gotten a dime from any of you, um, except for a few who bought our mugs, and you're certainly welcome to buy those mugs. Um, but we're back to parenting and we hope that you'll buy a mug, please. Uh, we want them out of our we'll office. T- we'll wipe the dust off. Of yeah. The first. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll try to send you one that's not broken. Apparently I did that. <laughs> and then I didn't package the second one properly and it got there broken. So that's mug. This is why we need Mark and Lena. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but she gave us, gave me the bugs. She dispensed of them and from her house oh, quickly. Okay. Anyhow. Rebellion. Um, We dealt with rebellion in the younger years. Today, we're going to get into rebellion in the teenage years, and that's tough uh, because the consequences of your choices and your children's choices uh, are much bigger than when you're dealing with a five-year-old who's having a tantrum. But what we want to say right off is that most rebellion in the later years began actually much earlier, but it was either ignored or unrecognized by parents. Now, don't take that as a smack, but a lot of times, all of a sudden, it blossoms into full fruition now that they're 16, and you're like, where did this come from? But if you look backwards, you could you likely will see the all of the beginnings of it in earlier times. So it's worth listening to the prior podcast again if you're unsure about how to recognize rebellion, something we're pretty confident most parents simply do not recognize, sadly. So when your child throws a fit, when you ask him to sit still, uh, you have rebellion. And we're talking about a kid, little kid. When he refuses to eat or refuses to eat a specific thing, they're rebelling. When you And don't tell me, well, yeah, but I don't like things. Well, then you're rebelling. I mean, just get over yourself. You're a big boy. Eat. Um, if he refuses to eat, uh, uh, but when you have a child who likes to sulk or complain or glare at people, especially parents when things don't go his way, what you have is rebellion. It doesn't matter if they're two or eight. If they're refusing to do what you expect them to do, then you have a rebellion on your hands. And the later years will be a much bigger rebellion if this is not addressed faithfully and wisely right now. Now, when a rebellion occurs in the home, it's a holy war, and it's a spiritual war. Parents cannot be timid then in the face of rebellion. They must arise and confront it every single time. That includes within their own lives. So so if you want to deal with the rebellion in your child's life, then stop rebelling in your own. 
And what is so important to grasp is that each of these times, there is a battle that is occurring. Will the child submit to your parent, that his parents will under, you know, because you possess it, or will they assert their will over yours? And now remember, weariness will never be an excuse for every time you postpone the rebellion, it just grows stronger. So never, ever treat rebellion as if it is cute or give it any sort of excuse. Yeah, so uh, with that then, let's get into the teen years. Uh, and here will be the latter years of 13 through 18-ish. Yeah. Um, so in this season of life, that rebellion begins to become, I mean, more frightening for parents. Sure does. Um, and it's during that season that too often parents begin to give in to rebellious choices, uh, but in fear of losing their children. Um, so yeah, well, so like, let's talk about like some differences of older children who are still under age versus ones who are close to eighteen. A thirteen-year-old's rebellions will still look differently than a eighteen-year-old, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, all of a sudden, I, hey, I'm eighteen. You can't tell me what to do. And it's like you're right, bro. And now you can move out. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> well played. Um, where a 13-year-old who's not even driving, their rebellion is going to be still softer and easier to, to deal with. You're going to be having throwing tantrums again, yelling, having a fit. Um, but they're still very young, and, and you can exert a lot of authority over them without ever dealing with that hard issue. But as they get 16, 17, 18, first of all, they know they're about ready to leave the house if they want to, and they can use that. And so a lot of parents get afraid because they're 16-year-olds in full-fledged rebellion. And the thing I hear all the time uh, over the years is, yeah, but they could run away. They could this or that. And, and they realize now, I don't want to lose my child. And so what do I do? They're rebelling. And, and they're right on the cusp of leaving. And so uh, realize that even within those age ranges, the rebellion is going to look differently. Yeah. Um, and then also, as they get older, um, each year, uh, as their life progresses, situations become more serious. Um, well, in the sense of like, you know, hearts will calcify. Right. Um, Habits become established, new relationships begin to erode, family ties. Right. The, the friends that they are able to contact, especially if you're dumb and give them a smartphone, um, but, or, or if they don't have a smartphone, rather, they can only have friends only to a certain degree. But once you are able to drive, um, boy, did that change for you? When once you were able to drive, that all of a sudden you're just not home hardly at all. Yeah. I mean, most parents are like, "Man, I just wish I could see my kid," and you have no idea uh, where they're at. You do I, become that your whoever surrounds you, right? Which is primarily and, not and, you as a parent, and and th that's either good people, yeah. uh, or not so good people. Uh, but also, like you said, the heart, the will is calcifying. I mean, they're starting to come to certain conclusions about how life is. And so that's why you see all the time the older teenage, they just sit there and shut down when mom starts to yell at them. And I know I did. Um, you just kind of go to a happy place. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Okay. And 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 then when she's done, nothing's changed, right? And there's that weird tension that happens too of, you know, as a person, especially when they hit their teens, they, they begin to start developing identities. Mm -hmm. And so they want affirmation um, and those kinds of things. And as parents, if you're Christian parents, at least there's just certain things you're not going to be able to affirm. 
right? Because it's right. called sin. But then they're <laughs> going to go and try and find it elsewhere. And so they're going to find people that affirm their desires, hobbies, lifestyles, whatever. And so they become now that dominant force and influence. And you're just mom and dad who are old. I mean, I could t- I, a, a super simple one that's not really even rebellion, but it was the influence of other people. We, we lived in uh, Sacramento. And I was in junior high at that point, and I had a friend named Doug. Um, Doug was more athletic than me. He was all kinds of things. He was smarter. He was, and he was my friend. He was also a Mormon. And I spent all my time hanging around Doug. And my dad got fed up with me. And he, one day, because I would come home, and he'd say, so how was your day? And I'd tell him all about what Doug did. <laughs> and he finally just said, stop telling me about Doug. I don't care about Doug. Doug's not my son. I want to hear about you. I literally had nothing to say. I'm like, my whole identity actually had been conformed to Doug. Well, Doug then invited me to come to some youth activity that the Mormon church, they have incredible activities for their youth. And he, he invited me to come to it. And it sounded fun. And so I asked dad, hey, would you have a problem if I went to him to this? And he's like, I have a huge problem. But my dad was actually wise here. He said, tell you what, Matt, instead of saying no, he said, tell you what, you tell him that you can come to his if he will come to our youth group. Well, that seemed reasonable to me. And I was a Christian, and I was going to my youth group. Mine wasn't as cool as his, but let's do it. So I went back, and I told Doug, I said, yeah, I can go, but you have to come to mine. And he said, I can't do that. Why? Because you guys believe a false. And all of a sudden, the the scales fell off my eyes. I'm like, oh, there's a whole worldview. I was thinking it was just two guys. It wasn't. It was much bigger than that. He was, he was proselytizing. He was evangelizing. And doing what I, you should have been doing. Yeah, what I should have been <laughs> But I was too busy following him and saying, what are we going to do next, Doug? Um, and so, but that's what's going on. You, you, you have all of those influences, and they, they pull you away from the home. And parents have got to be cognizant and, and rise up and fight against that. Yeah. And then as, as your children grow older, so do you which means certain aspects of your life change. Yeah. Um, and so when they're in their la- later years, um, you know, often that's when maybe certain challenges start coming or certain things develop in your career. Um, and so that can create many distractions that take your focus away from the home. Um, right. Your, your career is yeah. now starting to take off, right? You're getting promoted and now... And so you're, I got I to gotta get this project done. I got to travel. I got this. And at the same time, your kids are getting older. Yeah. So, so you got to think through certain issues, perhaps, at a much earlier point in time um, yeah, for it, how you're going to handle stuff. Because if you don't think about it while they're five and come to certain non-negotiables in your mind, all of a sudden you're told you have to go to Scotland for three weeks and or you're offered a promotion to a VP level and you're like, man, look at the money, look at the benefits, things we can do. And you're not looking at, I also have a 16-year-old who's really struggling. I need to turn this down. I need yeah. to turn it down for the sake of my son's soul. Um, yeah, you got it. But you, if you don't think about that ahead of time, you're so caught up in the excitement of a $40,000 pay increase and some travel perks uh, you know, now I'm VP, I get to fly first class, I get yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yep, yep. And So go ahead. Yeah, we'd also say you can, we can't emphasize enough here the just that need to allow, and this is true for all ages, but especially when they get older, is allowing 
consequences to come upon any act of rebellion at this point in their life. Um, so a parent who just continues to rescue their young adult from consequences of sinful choices is a parent uh, who actually hates his or her child. That's strong language, but it's biblical. Um, it's the essence of Proverbs 13, 24. He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Keyword. Uh, to rescue or rescind consequences for sinful choices is simply to set you and your child up to repeat it again. Proverbs 19, 19. A man of great anger shall bear the penalty, for if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. Right. So so you're going to be doing things like grounding. You have to. You have to just, dude, you're grounded. And they're like, well, I was just grounded last month. Well, you're grounded <laughs> this month too, Bo. And, and until you figure this out, you're going to be grounded. Uh, what's some other things you might have to do? Um, well, you might have to do some extreme things. I mean, even things like changing school options, um, maybe as far as extreme as doing something like a boarding school. Do you know anything much about boarding schools? Yeah, I had a lot of friends who were in them. Shows you the company I was in. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story of me as a cop doing that? Uh-uh. I had a, a a guy who was a in our missions department at the church, and he had married. Uh, his wife had died. He had married, and his wife's daughter was just something. She was like 16 and totally out of control. And so he called me because I was a police officer, and he's like, hey, would you be willing to escort my daughter to the airport? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'd never heard of this. And he's like, we're going to actually have to put her in a boarding school. And it was going to be in Missouri someplace in the woods. And it was a very godly home of that family uh, in Missouri. And they would take in kids that are just right on the edge of complete just um, rebellion of the worst sort. And it was run very much like a military. You start with no freedoms, nothing. And then... As you learn to comport yourself better, um, they start to give it to you. But they also have uh, fun activities, They have, but they're privileges, and they also have Bible study, and they're trying to win the people to Christ, but also they have to get these people under control. Sort of like what we said is that at with, with your two-year-old, if you can't get your two-year-old to sit still, then you'll never be able to talk to them. You never speak into right. their heart. These guys are trying to now do it with 16-year-olds. And he said, so here's how they told me I need to do it. I need you to, at my house at 3 in the morning. We're going to wake her up, and we're going to explain to her that we're going to take her down to the airport, and, and we need you to escort her and put her on the plane. And we may need you to fly her all the way. And are you willing to do it? And they bought an extra ticket, and I'm like, okay. And so I show up. I'm like, this is weird. And I heard him wake her up, and she's like, what? And she starts cussing at him and just screaming at him. And then they tell her what's happening. They, she's like, you can't do this. Well, she's underage. Actually, they can. And so she, they said, we have a police officer outside, and he's going to take you to the airport with us. And if you fight, um, it will not go well with you. So she comes out because she thinks they're telling a lie. She, she sees me, and I just then took over, and I looked at her. I said, hi, I'm Matt. I said, let me just tell you how this is going to work. You're going to go with us. You're going to control yourself. And if you decide to fight, I'm going to put you in handcuffs. And I had my handcuffs in my hand. She almost passed out. She was so shocked. And this is wrong. This isn't Christian. This isn't loving, blah, blah, blah. They said, actually, it's because we do love you. Uh, I didn't have to handcuff her. I didn't have to fly. We, I, I remember this is before TSA. When it went through uh, security, I had to put my handcuffs in, in the – x-ray and the guy's like uh uh i'm like 
They're handcuffs, bro. And <laughs> I showed her my badge, put that in, and walked her to the gate, sat with her, and she went on, and she was actually mollified. I never knew what happened to her because we then moved. But, um, I mean, that was, that was her last chance because she was ready to just go away. So yeah. when we say extreme, you may have to make extreme things. You also may have to do like loss of privileges, right? Of clothes, car, privacy, electronics, activities, friends, even family interactions like meals. You might just say you can't eat with the family until you learn to act like I'm a family member. Uh, family time, bathroom privileges. Again, all of these are, they're all privileges and that child has no right to any of them. And sometimes you're going to have to get that hard when you're dealing with a hardened, rebellious teenager. So hard choices, hard decisions are the harsh reality for parents when the rebellion does not want to stop. And this is where the breakdown usually will occur because what you have actually is a fear man uh, rather than the fear of the Lord. And so it drives this time. Uh, so you'll hear the world of what ifs becomes king in the parent's mind. What if they run away. What if they get pregnant? What if they this? What if that? And they're driven by that fear rather than what is right? What what does God expect? What does God demand? And so this is why we really want parents of young children to think long and hard about what is the right thing to do before God rather than later on when their children decide to rebel because it's going to be hard. It's going to rip your heart apart and you've got to be already committed that I'm going to honor God first and I'm going to deal with you in light of that. So it's very hard to think well when something surprises you and you're not ready to deal with it. So one way to think about this is to see that the home is really like a small congregation, a church. And part of a membership in church is a willing submission to the from the members. It's a submission to the leadership and to the doctrine and to the practices. Well, it's true of a family. If they will not listen, be in the child uh, after repeated warnings, then you must send them out. Now we're talking about older children. Um, and this is something that you need to be prepared for well before you have to make the decision. But it really is nothing more than just an application of Matthew 18 or 1 Corinthians 5, where Paul says, I already judged this guy, and he's out. And you send him out. Get him out before he affects the home. I can't tell you how many times I've watched older, rebellious children who are like 16, 17, 18, and they're in high rebellion, and the parents keep trying to keep them in, and then they're shocked to find out that they influence all of the other kids. It's like, well, of course, leaven, leaven's the lump. Right. Um, they're not your enemy, and that and that's important to also say. They're not despised by you any more than church disciplining a member is something that you despise. But it is a sending out. It's not a kicking out. It's done with grief, but with a love of purity and holiness and spiritual health for the household. And it's important to understand the power of leaven. And so there comes a time when their words and their actions are speaking so loud that they have to be silenced. That's Titus 1.10. Uh, if you're a factious man, after the first and second warning, you're sent out from the church. Well, there's a time when, you know what, you, don't, you just don't get to spend family time watching TV or, or upstairs at the meal with us until you learn to control yourself. You can take your meal in your room, and you can wash your dishes. Um, it's not actually wrong, and I, I, I'm talking about old, much older teenagers here, but it's not wrong to let them go their way if that's what they want. I mean, even with the prodigal son, you see that, again, as just an illustration. What he did in his culture was utterly shameful. 
Um, essentially, he wished his father was dead. And so he wants what is his only after his father's dead. Now, the father was kind. Um, it's an image of the kindness of God toward each of us as we continually treat him in a similar way. But he does not deny the funds, but he also is willing to let the son go his way. And when the son left, the house uh, noticed that he was, in essence, dead and lost. It, it says that in verse 24. This, is, this shows actually how radical the break was by the son. His father looked at him as a, somebody dead to him, not hated. He broke, was broken over, but he, he went away. And the desire, though, of the father was to rejoice when the return of that rebellious son, but it did not remove the consequences of past actions, nor were those consequences pressed into the face of the son. So the elder son, who was a jerk, he's like, look, you, everything I have is yours. And, and what that means is I'm not going to now split your inheritance and give it back to him that he's returned. The consequences are his. He, he, he wasted it all away. It's gone. But he's back. He's my son. And I will rejoice in that. So he's not going to shove it into his son's face. Oh, it's your fault. But he also is not going to somehow reward him uh, for his sin. Yeah. So that, that whole thing you're just talking about, that typically comes with some common complaints or concerns, right? Um, oh, yeah. I'm sure everything I've said so yeah. far has got people upset. So, so a big one is it's not loving. Uh, that's just kind of the thought on that. Um, but we would say rebellion is something that will kill your child. So get over it. Um, <laughs> but in, if not in a temporal way, certainly an eternal way. Yeah. Um, so you are in a brutal fight for, for your soul and for theirs. And so we would just say get in the battle. In fact, I was just talking to some people about just they're learning the idea of discipline, disciplining their children, and they're younger. Um, but the comment to me was, they're, they're, they, when they try it, their children look like they just have fear, fear in their eyes. And, they, and the, the parents didn't want to be a source of that fear. Yeah. And I actually, I, was, I understood that. Sure. Um, and so I was, I'm, I'm sympathetic toward that. And, but I just said, look at that fear, though, is a good thing. Um, we ought to fear our father who is in heaven, right? And he brings pain. I mean, he disciplines us lest we yep. be illegitimate children. And so you have to bring that that discipline. In the older years, that sometimes just means letting them go and suffer the consequences of a rebellious life. Yep. Um, so Proverbs 15.10 says, grievous punishment is for him who forsakes the way. He who hates reproof will die. I mean, and it's not just punishment, grievous. Yeah. punishment. That's a key additional word there. Right. Um, and, and that's what awaits for your child if they rebel. Um, so we would ask, do you want to dance around that subject? Um, you know, do you want to see his or her destruction? Well, of course not. Um, Proverbs 27, five through six says, better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. Uh, Proverbs twenty eight twenty three. He who rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with the tongue. In other words, withholding the discipline or withholding a rightful consequence is not loving. Yeah, and it's not fun. No, it's, but the fruit, the favor comes afterward. The when you're rebuking somebody, nobody likes that. Yeah, and that is the grace, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, you you are being gracious toward them, so it is loving. We would argue. Uh, Hebrews twelve five through six. Oh, you have it here. Um, have you forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons? It says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. Why? For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges 
every son whom he receives. Um, By the way, scourge, not lightly tap. I mean, there's a time, and and, and if you never felt this, um, one day you will, and it hurts. Yeah, I carry physical scars on my body <laughs> from his scourging. Um, it, it's not a pleasant, but it sure woke me up. Yeah. Um, and then another one, Revelation 3, 17 through 19. And you'll note here just the arrogance in the minds of the Laodiceans in this passage. Um, that That's often part of the rebellious or proud young adult life, we just say. He says, it's because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Uh, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and disciplined. Therefore, be zealous and repent." A parent could, you could hear a parent saying the same thing. You think you're something, don't you? But you're not. And that's why I'm dealing with it. It, it. It's hard, but that's loving. That's our Father in heaven saying these things. That's Jesus Christ um, saying these words to this church. And so when you say it's not loving, I think you should rethink that. Yeah. Another one that people will t- tell us is well, they're just kids. Um, the challenge here is to understand that our culture has extended the idea of being a kid now well into the 20s. Uh, it's wiser to see that puberty is that turning point where they have physically transitioned from childhood. And so a wise parent is not slack in raising mature children, but rather in is thinking about this even when they're very young. You're not wise to just let your children be children. Instead, you're always grooming them to become responsible, honorable Christian men and women. So a small way is that you look at your son when he's teasing a girl and you rebuke him. Okay, so he's six. So what? It doesn't matter. That's not what a man does. And that's how you would frame it. Hey, buddy, that's not what a Christian man does. He, he guards women. He protects them. He, he honors them. And that is disrespectful and hateful to them. You will stop that. And let me help you. And maybe you spank him or or some other thing. And I want you to go back and seek their forgiveness. But you're driving into them in every single way with young as young people to begin to transition into adulthood rather than all of a sudden they're 18, you've treated them like a kid their whole time, and now you expect them to act like adult. Well, you never trained them to do that. Yeah. Now the response is, where's the grace? That's a common one. Um, the simple response is to give that question just right back to the person. Where's the grace in allowing them to perpetuate in sin or rebellion? Um, Where's the grace in not teaching the children that sin is folly and it has consequences that later in life they're going to have to discover they have no safety nets for? Um, Grace is patient, but grace also gives discipline even when it's not pleasant um, for both of you. Yeah. Right? Um, no, I don't think no I ever. Discipline. Yeah, I, I can guarantee you, I'm I'm all done with that, and I've never enjoyed it. Yeah, it didn't matter. Right. Um, th- this idea of of gospel parenting and grace based parenting uh, is often an excuse we would argue for antinomianism or just simply licentiousness. Um, if your Christ likeness does not confront sin, then simply put, it's not Christ like. Yeah. Yeah, don't think you're showing them Christ because you're overlooking their sin. Um, no, every sin Christ bore on his flesh. That's that's totally different than him just pretending that you're addicted to porn and that's okay. Right. Um, so 
another one. They may uh, make a decision that ru- will ruin their future. I've heard this a lot. Uh, the, the parent is just horrified. But if I let him go, even though he's destroying our home, he w- think that he could get a girl pregnant or he could end up in jail. Um, it's very common. So what if she gets pregnant? What if he, uh, he gets someone pregnant? What if they are arrested? They have a record. What's going to happen to him? And so we're going to keep rescuing him from his consequences. It's like, you know what? At some point, he's just going to be what he is. Our answer is that a fool receives at some point the fruit of his folly. It just is the way God built it. And the sooner that happens, actually, is the better. And so to keep a rebellious son or daughter at home to just try to mitigate consequences shows that fear. Uh, Your child and that, uh, I mean, shows that the fear and your child and your reputation is far more important than actually truth. There comes a point where you have to say, look, guys, you, you just can't be here. If you don't want to comply with our rules, we love you, but it's time to move out. I'll help you move out even, but you're on your own. Um, God did not keep the tree of knowledge of good and evil out of the garden. He stuck it there. He warned them, he commanded, and then he acted when uh, acted when and when that was disobeyed now he did not drive out the Canaanites from the land before giving a pristine land to Israel instead he told them go in and drive these people out yourselves and do not allow yourself to be conformed to them but they disobeyed and then he acted again he did not keep Israel from idols or temptations again he warned he commanded and then he executed his promises of severe judgment of the highest sort now we could go on and on in the Bible of these uh, illustrations but you get the picture choice result choices result in consequences and the longer you delay that reality the longer and the harder it will take to hopefully help your rebellious child come to Christ and also back to you yeah um, with that then there's also a spirit and then a goal of sending out um, yeah so how are you gonna do that yeah. if you have to so the goal is not just to get even the goal. The goal is <laughs> restoration, right? Um, restoration, restoration of that relationship. This comes from Matthew 18, that church discipline process. Um, this does not also, though, mean that they are to just be brought back into the home. Uh, each situation requires wisdom. Um, you're looking for a repentant heart, um, true repentance, right? You're not just looking for someone who's sad because they got caught and now there's consequences. You're looking for someone who actually has true sorrow over the grief that They've sinned and they've rebelled. Um, so it's not something to be done in the heat of the moment. Again, it's not to get vengeance either. So Galatians 6.1, Paul writes, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Um, that's a lesson for parents. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5.14, we urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. Uh, so a wise parent discerns where your child is at and therefore what needs to be done in the moment. Um, but don't lie to yourself and say that you're just being patient with them while they're actively rebelling. Um, you are to patiently confront and reject and correct sin that's in your home. Yeah, every time. Um, if you must send them out, though, it is in spite of your kindness and patience. So you want to you want to be like what Paul describes God being in Romans chapter two. He's talking about Jews here and how they assume that because they have the temple and the word and and all of that, that somehow they're 
better off, that, that God's still pleased with them. And he says, therefore, you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment. And they're talking about Jews passing judgment upon the Gentiles. Um, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But if because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for the day of judgment, I'm sorry, you're storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath, and the revelation of righteous judgment of God. What you have is, when you have to send them out, it's they should be sad because they also have seen mom and dad show so much kindness to them, even in their rebellion. You're not screaming and yelling and threatening all day long. There's so much kindness that you're still showing to your children, but there comes a point that they, they can pre- pretend to think that that kindness is, hey, you approve. No, we don't approve. And there's coming a day, buddy, that you're going to be having to go out of home. And when you hit 18, if you don't change, I'm going to show you the door. And that's just the way it is. And so Paul speaks of the kindness of God, and it refers to his innate kindness toward us. He cares. He provides for them in spite of their rejection. He calls them to repentance. He gives them warning to flee from the wrath that will come. Now, this is no different than when a parent, what a parent does to a wayward son or daughter. You warn, and you warn, and you warn, and you warn. You pray for them. You show kindness to them. You rebuke them. You discipline them. But there is a time where you then give them the fruit of their choices. Within the home, there can come a point where your child, now a young adult, has chosen not to live under your care and oversight. They instead choose to essentially abuse your kindness and goodness, and there should be a point that you will act in a manner consistent with God and give them over to their passions. You're not doing it in hate. You're not mocking them. You do it actually in pity, but you, ha- you have to just kind of almost go hands off. It's like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, and, and I, I mean almost in tears, just, oh, Lord, protect my son because he is heading into hell as fast as he can go. But it's shocking if you can just release them and give them to the Lord and they go their way, how God is faithful to bring the consequences rapidly upon them. And I mean, it's ugly. And all of a sudden they start to realize home wasn't so bad. And my mom and dad loved me. And you know what? I can still call them and dad will still talk to me, but he still warns me the same stuff. You know, uh, it's just, it's a good thing when you see something like that happen, but it's hard. Yeah. Now, there is a point where they simply need to be confronted with the consequences of folly, uh, but for the sake of their own soul. So Mark 9, 43 through 45 speaks of the idea of entering into the kingdom of God blind or lame rather than entering hell. Um, So how much more true to allow temporary pain to be upon a rebellious son or a daughter so that they might enter the kingdom of God? Um, Romans 1, 18 and following, um, there you have God just giving mankind over to their desires and the consequences that are just built into that rebellion. Um, So God reveals his judgment or his wrath in 18 through 23. Uh, This rebellion is directed first to a rejection of God. And then second, it's directed to idols. And then third, um, 
you see it's not done in ignorance, but it's actually something that's willfully yeah, being they're, done? Yeah, they're willfully doing this. It's not like, oh, I don't know how I became an idolater. Yeah, they understand. <laughs> um, so, so what God does there is he actually gives them over to that which they longed for. That's how his wrath is, is working itself out. Um, and then the point of verses 26 or yeah, through 27 is that they, they didn't pursue God um, who made them and who they should naturally love. Therefore, now they pursue relationships that are contrary to their nature. Um, you see that in verse 28. Um, so God steps away in a sense and lets them fill themselves up with what they believe they're missing out on. Um, and so as they fill themselves with that misery through a miserable life, they continue to show their rebellious hearts um, by approving of that life to others. And during that time is a heart-wrenching moment because you're watching your daughter, your son, you're like, oh my gosh, how much further? But it, it is that, it's like you've cho they've chosen rebellion and now they're just filling themselves up. But as bad as that is, the one thing they can't do if you've been a good person faithful parent is they can't run away from the gospel because they know it. It's They've heard them. it. Yeah. yeah, it's hurt. It's in their heart. They don't believe it. And and it's shocking how far a kid will run to try to get away from the truths. But it's also amazing how God takes that over the years and breaks them. And then they become that prodigal son. Also, one day they realize, I'm my the pigs are eating better than me. <laughs> I mean, what the heck happened? And the message hasn't changed. They called dad. Well, it's been miserable. It's this, and it's like, well, I mean, I know of a guy who left home, went to college, became a homosexual prostitute, and it, and and I mean, he he has teeth were literally falling out of his mouth. He was so disease ridden. In in, in literally a passage passage of three years, he went from being this healthy, uh, sharp, intelligent young man to this wasted crust of a person. And he called up his dad and was like this and that. And he's like, well, what did you expect? So what was good about his father was that he didn't change the message. He's like, you're, you're living in rebellion. You need to come to Christ. You need this. You need that. And and the son only wanted him to fix the consequences. And you know, you can't. You have to say, no, what you need to do is repent. And and I love you, but there's, there's still a way, a way that you don't want. And until you see that, nothing else will change. And so let, I want to give just a few pastoral thoughts. Um, let the ache of your heart and the burden of your soul cause you to turn them into prayers to the Lord. So if you're filled with the burden for them, then turn that into prayer. He knows. First Peter 5 says of casting our cares upon Jesus because he cares for us. And so Instead of just fretting over what you can't change because your son is pursuing folly, turn those into prayer. Um, when you must have a difficult talk, there are a few suggestions that we would give you, though. First of all, before you have that tough talk where you're really going to lay certain harsh realities down, wait. Wait for a bit. Pray for wisdom. Pray for courage. Uh, I'd even say go to somebody godly um, and seek counsel. Second, then, figure out what are, is a foundational problem and say it out loud a few times to make it comfortable in your mouth because it's probably not you're not making your bed. <laughs> that's, not, that's just a fruit, right? What is at the core? It's like you are so bitter towards your mom and you're so disrespectful that whatever comes out of your mother's mouth, you will do the opposite. And, and, and buddy, the, 
the, the word says that you're to honor your mother. She gave birth to you. She did this. She did that. She's shown you love, kindness, goodness. And I can't handle, I can't, I can't accept that. I, you know, so you're working with the, it's a heart of rebellion, not you don't do your chores. Um, and go to that core issue. Then third, decide what the conclusion is that you come to. It might be as simple as, and as a result of that, we're grounding you. Or as a result of your, your choices, you're not allowed to drive for six months, so give me your car keys. Uh, if you want to go somewhere, you ride your bike. I don't care if it's wintertime or what. Uh, you have, uh, Or it might be so extreme that you say, we've talked about this time and again. The day has come, buddy. I am so sorry to tell you this, but because of your choices, you're going to have to leave the house. And uh, if you want, I'll help you find a place, but it's, you're on your own, and that's just the way. And then finally, when you sit with your child, you make it short and simple. In fact, I've even told parents, write it out so that they don't, the emotion of the moment doesn't get you to all of a sudden give up. In light of what you've chosen to do, you might say, there are some decisions I've made, and I'm going to tell you the root problem as I see it. I'm going to tell you my decision, and then if you wish, I will give you my rationale. But understand, buddy, the decision has already been made. If you, you start that conversation like that, most kids who are 18 will realize, uh-oh, and a dread will settle over them. But you know what? It, that doesn't mean then you say, well, never mind then, because they have tears. It's, I've already made this decision, and it's now time. It's time for you to enter into adulthood, and you're going to find how hard that can be. Yeah. So let, uh, let me just give some concluding remarks here. First of all, rebellion is in the heart of every single person, uh, including you as a listener. Um, and so the only thing that ultimately will change the heart of any rebellious person is the gospel. Um, so as we would say, therefore, begin with it, continue with it, and end with it. Um, dealing with rebellion, that requires courage, faith, hope. Um, so develop these qualities now so that you're not scrambling to play catch up at some point. Um, and then don't pretend everything is just okay. Um, and just presume it's going to work itself out in the future. Um, when rebellion is present in your child, there's no value in pretending it's not, uh, rebellion is, is high handed and it's willful. It's deadly. It's destructive. And it will always affect the relationship of the members involved. We would say be part of their lives as much as you can. There are some aspects that you can't praise or participate in, but use care in how you speak or make reference to those parts of their life. Um, there will always still be many ways that you can maintain connections with them and you should pursue those. Sending a rebellious child out of the house is not shutting them out of your lives. Um, it's, it's removing them from the blessings and protections of the home. Um, next, we'd say pray and then pray a lot. Um, and then you should appeal to them more than you should rebuke them because um, they already know. It's, it's yeah. willful rebellion, which yeah. implies they know. Um, so you don't need to sit there and keep beating on them. Just appeal to them. There should be genuine grief in your heart and demeanor toward any wayward child. Um, so give that young person a proper image of how God bids the sinner to come and repent. And then keep pointing them to Christ. Hopefully, though, if you've been... <laughs> following our series, um, hopefully you just, you won't see that wholesale rebellion in your teen's life. Um, rather you can watch and help them grow into a mature adult who honors both God and you. And so we're coming to the end of this series. Um, as we mentioned already, we're planning to do one more on just evangelizing your children. Um, and then maybe answer some of those questions that you've asked 
uh, via our, our link on our page. So make sure to tune in, join this conversation. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and tell a friend. Thank you.